Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Good morning. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, MIP is COVID free. Free meaning you don't need a subscription to MIP every day now for a limited time. While we endure this pandemic, we want to make it available to everyone. So wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, MIP is COVID free and available to you and everyone without a subscription. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is Associate Dean for Diversity and Inclusion and the Chief Diversity Officer at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. He is the President-Elect of the National Medical Association. It's an honor to welcome to Make It Plain, Dr. Leon McDougall. Dr. McDougall, how are you? Doing well, uh, Mark Thompson, doing very well. Good, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you, sir. I, I, I pray that you and yours are faring as best you can in this, in this uh, corona pandemic. Yes, uh, sheltering in is important. We all have our mask and uh, so washing hands and uh, really trying to stay away six feet apart uh, and Yes, it's, it's, it's a tough time. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, congratulations uh, on your new role as president of the National Me- Medical Association. Um, it, for our audience's sake, um, share, if you would, a little bit of the history and the difference between the American Medical Association and the National Medical Association. That's a good question. So, <laughs> so oh, Lord. So let's start from the very beginning. So 
the National Medical Association was established in 1895. Now, interestingly, uh, Mark Thompson, uh, this was uh, the result of, now, now, now hear this, in 1870 and 1872, the American Medical Association refused to seat Afri three African-American physicians as members. Wow. This is five, five years after the end of the Civil War. Wow. 1870, 1872, brother. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that led, and, and the important thing about it was uh, you needed to have association membership to have hospital privileges. You needed to have AMA membership to undergo specialty training. So that refusal of African-Americans to join extended all the way to the mid 60s. So, and in 1963, there were 5,000 African-American physicians. There were 227,000 European-American physicians. So when we talk about these, uh, I and, and others such as Byrd and Clayton, and uh, one of my uh, mentors, Rodney Hood, uh, who practices in San Diego, we uh, describe this as the slave health deficit, dating back from the Middle Passage, uh, ongoing through uh, Jim Crow and, and the results of what we're seeing now as displayed by this uh, coronavirus. Uh, pandemic. I didn't. I didn't know you would go. You know, go, go that far back. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. No, we want to break it down. Well, well, just just before we leave that subject, you know, from time time, sometimes people argue that in in this era, uh, after all, we had a black president. Some people say, do we still need HBCUs? Do we still need black professional organizations? Do we still need an, an, an NMA? The, the current president of the AMA is an African-American. I know we still need an NMA, but I want you to make the case uh, to our audience. Why is it important that the NMA still exists and continues to do its work? So uh, there's a term from uh, Brian Stevenson's uh, uh, most uh, recent book uh, concerning uh, the plight of African-Americans uh, on uh, death row, just mercy. There's a term in that book that he really emphasizes, uh, uh, Mark Thompson, that term is proximity. Mm -hmm. So African-Americans that belong to the National Medical Association, we are in proximity to the community. We serve the African-American community. We are on the front line of yeah. service for our community and our whole organization is dedicated to supporting uh, such physicians and providing excellent care for uh, African-American populations especially. Uh, so we're, we're not diffused, we're, we're focused on African-American uh, patients and the communities in which they live in and that's what has led to some of our collaborations uh, with uh, Rainbow 
push coalition and uh, the recent release of the seeing the concerns in our communities from access to screening uh, to treatment and decisions thereafter. So very good question. Yes, sir. So um, uh, we know now we have some information which has revealed that African-Americans are being disproportionately affected by this virus, correct? Yes, yes. And so part of that is at the very beginning. So uh, Mark Thompson, so, you know, uh, say you're sick, you're calling into the, uh, so we've actually, in my practice and others, we're doing telehealth visits. So we're communicating via video or telephone with our patients. And then if patients uh, are having respiratory symptoms, we refer them to our call-in center that deals with making the decision whether one will get screened for COVID-19 coronavirus because there's a, a scarcity in regards to testing uh, supplies uh, in regards to the nasal swabs and the assays that are needed to uh, test it. So, so here's the issue, and this is nationwide. So you are asked screening questions to even decide whether or not you will get to that next step as far as the nasal uh, swabs are concerned. So uh, if you don't answer enough questions positively, uh, you fail the test. And mm. what we're seeing uh, nationally is that African-Americans aren't passing that test. They're not getting to that just at the very beginning. They're not getting to that step where people are actually doing the nasal swab to confirm uh, whether one has uh, coronavirus. And what we're advocating in the public health uh, manifesto is that if one is from a uh, under-resourced group, such as African-American, Latinx, American Indian, Native American, that you are assigned a priority risk score that will enable you to just get to that first step. Then, okay, let's say you screen positive. So you are, are given permission to get a nasal swab. Now, what do we know? You look on television every night and you see the SUVs driving up and people getting their nose uh, swab for the uh, COVID-19. What if you don't have a car? So I, and what we're advocating uh, in the National Medical Association Rainbow Push Coalition is that these drive up stations should all have the capability to have a walk up station also. And then that walk up and drive up station, they should be no more than one fourth mile or, or a five minute walk from a, a functioning bus stop, train station or subway station. So, so that's dealing with that initial part, just getting the screening, right? So uh, as there is no cure as we know it now, those initial steps are, are critical. And mm -hmm. then the whole prevention aspect of it. So let's even go a little bit more upstream. Uh, we're asking that, especially the African-American community, community, we want you to shelter in place and worship in place and utilize um, uh, technology to communicate, uh, live streaming and the like. 
and uh, and then went out in public, wear a facial mask. And uh, Mark Thompson, I, I have another caveat for that. So uh, especially in regards to African-American males, I know you've probably been seeing in the media where African-American males have been uh, accused or considered uh, a, a criminal uh, background or, or, or thought to be uh, in, the, in uh, the store or whatever, like they're gonna rob something. We're recommending that to help offset that implicit bias, that racism, that we wear a light, a white or a lighter colored mask, because uh, especially if you have a, a black mask on and a hoodie, and then all this unconscious bias out there, uh, it's just, uh, we're thinking that that could lead to an unfavorable uh, outcome for people of color. So uh, we're uh, advising that too, uh, as it pertains to uh, that, uh, uh, protection uh, in public, in six feet apart, uh, washing your hands, using times. And so I'm uh, hearing all these stories about hand sanitizer and see what's was wiped out. No hand sanitizer. However, I turn my head right next to it, whole shelf full of hand washing soap and dispensers and so forth. So okay, you don't have this hand sanitizer, you're not supposed to be shaking anybody's hand in the first place, but there's plenty of soap out there. So <laughs> you get that hand, right. hand washing soap, uh, wash your hands for uh, 20 seconds at least. Uh, that's another uh, protective uh, factor. Yeah. I, I, I want to go back for a minute. You mentioned that Af many African-Americans have not been able to get to the uh, next step in the testing process when it comes to the nasal swab. We don't, if I understood you correctly, we don't, they, they, we aren't answering the questions again. What, what questions are we not answering or what questions are we asking wrongly? And, and, and are others answering questions in a certain way that moves them down the line? It doesn't move us. And see, that's a, that's another good question. They don't really release these questions aren't really publicly released. Uh, uh, and when we do know, however, that based on some of what I've seen that European Americans are more often times being referred to that next step. Mm -hmm. Now, that makes you also consider perhaps some implicit bias or some con unconscious bias or bias in general may be involved uh, with that too. So that's why we're really wanting to have a better, uh, that's where data comes in, right? Right. We're talking about data. And, oh, we don't have data. And, and, and then once the data comes out, what does it show? African-Americans are dying more often. African-Americans are having higher complications with uh, COVID-19. So that really makes it critical, that data piece. So there can be some oversight into the processes that are going on so informed uh, adjustments can be made. Why wouldn't some of these jurisdictions and uh, medical professionals not want the data to be collected? I mean, I, I don't understand why there would be a resistance to that. I, I don't think it's so much uh, people not wanting to do that. I 
I don't think they're really being requested to do that. So uh, at these screening centers and these call-in centers, they're taking calls from all over our city and, and other cities uh, uh, across the nation. I'm not certain if that's part of the protocol. And if it isn't, it should be, right? It's, 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 it's really a gap in data collection. So I think that may be more of a system issue in regards to that upfront calling the center, giving them your symptoms, and then having someone decide upon whether you go to the next step or not. Uh, so that's something that should be implemented. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, yes. Tell us more about the manifesto that the National Medical Association has entered into with the Rainbow Push Coalition. Yes, we thought it was time to provide some answers. Uh, so many uh, times you hear uh, mostly about how we're dying faster, and, and that's, that's important, that's, that's good news to have. Uh, so we came together to provide some uh, solutions as I had spoken to earlier in regards to what does shelter in place mean? What does uh, worship in place mean? Uh, let's focus on our incarcerated population. Uh, Mark Thompson, as you see now, this is exploding. This is exploding. We, we're, we're now starting to pay attention to uh, nursing homes uh, but the least of these are being ignored. And uh, so you're in this uh, prison cell and uh, aren't afforded the opportunity to have You have to buy your own soap from the commissary. So we're just basic public health principles during this pandemic need to be enforced and depopulate these cells uh, with, from uh, overpopulation with nonviolent uh, persons, uh, elderly persons, persons vulnerable uh, to disease. We're advocating that we decompress the overpopulation of these uh, prisons and jails uh, and separate the sick from the well. And it also even affects the staff, the uh, uh, workers, uh, the, the guards, and they're going into these jails and prisons and uh, maybe transferring that infection uh, back to their uh, loved ones at home and, and their community. And when we know what we know about jails is it's transient. You may have people in there for like three days. So you're in there for three days, you get exposed to someone with COVID-19, you go back home and you uh, infect uh, the community. So uh, we we and and we really wanted to place a, a spotlight and a, a highlight on on that uh, issue in particular. Uh, and then uh, uh, Mark Thompson uh, in uh, discussions, uh, we've even talked about do not resuscitate. So when the governor declares a public health emergency in a state, then the rules for deciding who gets access to scarce resources is governed by the state's public health department with some consultation federally. So, uh, and it was discussed how uh, people may be placed or on involuntary do not resuscitate 
based on the availability of uh, in ventilators and medication and the like during a pandemic. So that's we wanted to bring that to people's attention and uh, and uh, as an issue. I'm working on a, a paper now with a, a, a colleague concerning the value of advanced directives like a living will or a dual power attorney of health, even though the state health department has that more authority to make decisions, we're thinking that having a written document expressing your wishes, uh, that may be your sole advocate, that piece of paper, because people are even being restricted from visiting the hospital due to uh, this high level of infection and, and uncertainty. So this, there's a, this is a, a, a big issue and we really wanted to come together as uh, two national organizations, uh, Reverend uh, Jesse Jackson, Rainbow Push Coalition, the National Medical Association. And we've also joined with the National Fire Association and really concerned about these jails and prisons and what's going on in Dallas County, uh, Texas, what's going on in Cook County, uh, uh, Illinois, and even here in my own state, Marion County Institutional uh, uh, Incarceration Facility, where there are just high rates of infection with uh, COVID-19 and uh, the need to uh, decompress these uh, prisons and jails uh, so that uh, there can be more uh, likelihood of those persons who are predominantly African-American people of color uh, have a better chance of surviving. You mentioned governors. Lastly, I mean, you, you are medical professionals. Should, should governors be making decisions about when Shelton place should end without consultation of medical professionals such as yourself, some such of these governors, we look at a place like Georgia, some cities in the South, some states in the South, where there are large numbers of African-Americans. This reopening, taking things back to normal may be premature, right? Uh, uh, not maybe, <laughs> it is premature. And those decisions should be informed by consultation with uh, medical, uh, personnel, uh, public health officials uh, who have uh, best interest of the state in mind, as I'm sure the governor does, uh, these decisions have to be informed. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the responsible thing to do. Uh, if anyone listening, Dr. McDougall, uh, as an African-American feels as if they um, have not been uh, treated appropriately or, or given the necessary attention during this crisis so, or they can't get the help they need, what advice uh, does the NMA have for them? So I would recommend that they contact either the health system ombudsman. Uh, there's typically uh, also a patient experience team uh, that are there to help address concerns of patients who interface with the health system and uh, also the chief medical officer. Those persons are responsible for ensuring quality of care 
uh, for uh, a health system or hospital system or a medical center or even the chief uh, medical officer or CEO of a particular uh, health clinic uh, or federally qualified health center. Uh, and uh, also, if one has a personal relationship with a physician, that I would also uh, especially uh, recommend that, and uh, especially members of the National Medical Association. So uh, that's, that's what I would recommend. My brother, good to see you. Congratulations on being president-elect of the National Medical Association. Appreciate your expertise, and I'm sure we'll be calling on you again as uh, we continue to wade through this crisis, man. Yes, yes. Uh, Mark Thompson, appreciate you. I, I, I followed you. I've seen you on television. You're doing a wonderful job. And uh, uh, just let uh, Michael Peary know, and we can get connected. I'm happy to participate uh, with your wonderful work. Thank you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, uh, uh, Dr. McDougal. God bless you also. All right. Take care, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.